Let's do it, boys. Breaking news on Bible Dingers News Network. That's a little loud there. I guess I got the levels all kinds of wrong. Yay. You guys know how we start the show. Bible Dingers. I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. Hey, yo. And this is... Bible Dingers. And if this is your first time listening, we start every single episode with fake news or real news where I come up with a headline and Ryan and Mark have to decide whether it's fake or real. And today we have a soundbite that's accompanied by this fake news or real news. You want to play it for us, Ryan? Look at you. Oh, come on, bro. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that? Yeah. Yeah, I got a call in the middle of. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you heard the soundbite. Yeah, the not. <laughs> That's gonna be a soundbite. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys know Elmo, right? Yeah. You just heard him. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him. <clears throat> you heard Elmo, right? The not too late show. You guys watch the late show? Which one? Absolutely not. Any of them? No. Any of you guys <laughs> watching? Watch the no. late show? No. Uh, the one with uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jim, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel, the Jimmy Corden, oh uh, Conan O'Brien, right? Yeah. Okay. There's a new one coming out with <laughs> as the host Elmo, a late night. Elmo as the host, the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Fake news or real news? I'm a man of the people. You know what I mean? That the people want Elmo. That sounds people like that would have great ratings, <laughs> honestly. It would be incredible. But I didn't ask you if it would be a good thing. I think it's I real. I asked you if it was a real thing. Yeah, I think it's real. What do you guys think? Is it real news or fake news? We just said Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you guys We think, think it's real. The people's Elmo. The People's Elmo. Yep. That's great, bro. I like that. Thanks. Anyway, yo, I'm, I can't even find the, the sound bites right now. It's definitely real news. The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. So, the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. It is American late night talk show hosted by Elmo. It is a spinoff of Sesame Street and was developed exclusively for the HBO Max streaming service. The series consisting of 13 episodes debuted on HBO Max on May 27, 2020. It did what now on HBO Max? Did you just say debuted? I totally said that. (laughs) I totally said debuted. You think it's going to be as good as Ryan's Playdate? Ryan's Playhouse? Yeah. You mean Ryan's Toy Review? No, 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 no. Oh, he has a real show on television? Ryan's Playdate or something like that. Ryan Mysteries Playdate. Where he has guests on his show and they play date ryan mystery playdate yeah it's terrible i don't know is how that, that the guy same got so ryan famous. from youtube yeah i don't know how he got that he famous. has multiple shows and he also has a bottle of soap in my bathroom of course he does what my kid's soap is ryan's soap yeah my sister's obsessed with him yeah who's not he's a good kid I'm clearly not. and you know what i like the episodes where he goes to japan sue me Hey, did you guys know that my dad works on some of the music for Sesame Street? Stop. No. Their music slaps, bro. For real? Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me. Your your dad's a G. Straight up. 
Yeah, he's been doing it, I think, since the beginning of the year. Or so. Really? Maybe even before that. How do you even get into that? Uh, well, you know, at Rutgers, he has connections. That's wild. That's insane. It's not surprising knowing your dad. Yeah, he does some of the arrangements. That's he, insane. He slams some of that 808 beats. <laughs> you feel me? Sing me, uh, <laughs> sing me one of those Sesame Street songs, bro. Oh, that your dad wrote. It's copyright. I'd, I'd get canceled. I mean, oh, we're just obviously kidding. playing this. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And I'm just kidding. Clearly I, copyrighted. I don't hear anything that he works on. Oh. Uh, I think this is one right here. Yeah. Oh, you switched up the song midway, bro. You ruined our entire intro. <laughs> I did. I totally ruined it. Our intro is crumbling. We're Dub's intro in today. I didn't even like the song too much. You gotta roll with it now. Yep. All right. Today's episode <laughs> he is... He thought he was, but he ain't. He ain't? Wait, can it's you deep. please... That's really deep. Can you please, please play the new Kanye? Because he ruined my fake news or real news. My fake news or real news today was supposed to be about Kanye West, uh, you know... Running for president? Running for president. Everybody knows that, though. You didn't know that until Ryan, I knew that. Until Mark Did you know that he had a rally? Yeah, in South Carolina. Yeah. What are you talking about? I have no idea what he's saying. In this part. I sound just like him. Yeah. I wish he would just stick to making music. Is that not music? Because it clearly wasn't. He's going to taste the Wayne on him. That's what his uh, presidential rally sounded like. Taste the Wayne on him 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I can't. Oh man, you sound just like him, Kanye. Is that you? Yeah. Anyway, today we're talking about the Book of Hosea. If that wasn't obvious already, but if <laughs> it probably wasn't, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned Hosea not one time. Why would it be? <laughs> I guess maybe the title that you clicked on in order to listen to this—that's true. Would give it away. Yeah, so if you never listened to us before, we start every episode of Fake News, Real News. Then we go into the topic that we're talking about, and it's the book of Hosea today. We go through the title, the author, the date of authorship, date of events, fun facts, and then we jump into the outline. Where are the turtles? Where are they? Rickolas, what's the turtle of this book? So today we're talking about the book of Hosea. No. And... Uh, Today we talk about the book of Hosea, and first and foremost, we talk about what, Ryan? Where are the turtles? Where are they? We talk about the title, and if that's not obvious, it's clearly Hosea. The title of the book comes from the main character and author. And Hosea's name means salvation, the same as both Joshua and Jesus. Jesus. Yeshua. Wow. Jesus, yeah. It looks like you saw that coming, man. Well, I only knew because I remember Joshua is the same name as Jesus. Yep, gotcha. And so is Hosea. Sick. Next is the author. We don't have any particular soundbite for that. But it uh, the book claims that Hosea is the author in chapter 1, verse 1. So we know that. 
And historically, just about all Jewish and Christian scholars have considered this book a product of Hosea. But there is a small minority of critics that think certain prophecies regarding Judah were added in later by editors because most of the book contains prophecies about Israel. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You lost me. Is there a difference between Judah and Israel? <laughs> Why don't you tell Oh, me? come on! Yes, there is. Israel is the northern kingdom. Yeah. When they were split into the divided kingdom and Judah was Judah was the southern kingdom. Okay. Thank you very much. I just, off the top of my head, was like, oh, maybe people don't know that there's a difference. Yeah. Well, regardless, people were just criticizing this for the sake of criticizing it without having any reason behind it. So, well, uh, sounds like me. I guess I actually forgot that fact. So, it was a good thing you said it. Good thing. Yeah. I forgot it myself. Good thing. Well, the book of Hosea is the only source of information on Hosea. Huh. Yep. And this episode. And. <laughs> and. And any commentary <laughs> about Hosea. That's true. <laughs> Look at you. But internally in the Bible, I suppose. Yep. That could be. Yes. True. You know what his father's name was? I do. You know what his father's name was, Mark? Brosea. <laughs> it's very, very, very close. Beery. Ooh. Why, just because it starts with a B? It's Beery. How do you spell that? B-E-E-R-I. Beery. Yeah, Beery. Beery. This is a Beery good episode today. <laughs> but you know what? Thinking about beer. Oh, Weird Verse Wednesday? Shout out to Shout the Weird out. Verse Wednesday. Shout out to that article. That, that doesn't have a name yet. Anthony wrote from his Speak Gospel Truth. Um, this episode is going to come after that gets released. But if you have not read it yet, make sure you check it out on www.bibledingers.com. It's about that verse in Proverbs that say what? What does it say? I don't know. From the top of my head about Drinking, that drinking is a good something thing. Something about apparently. drinking or something. Yeah, drinking no, it says, like, alcohol is for the, the dying. Wine is for those who are bitterly distressed, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Something about beery. Yeah, something about beery. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. if that uh, that makes you scratch your head, go back and check out that episode. I mean, that uh, that Weird Verse Wednesday blog. That does sound like bad advice. I'm going to be honest. It's Solomon. He was kind of... He was kind of beery. He made some mistakes. Yeah. Yep. Another quick fact about the author. He was likely a native of the northern kingdom of Israel because his familiarity with its history, geography, and events. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now let's talk about the date of the authorship. So Hosea began his ministry towards the end of Jeroboam II's reign in Israel, which was his reign was between 793 and 753 BC, and his ministry ended in the beginning of Hezekiah's reign, which was 715 BC. So Hosea was written roughly between 755 and 710 BC, so it was roughly 45 years worth of ministry that Hosea was doing. Now, the date of the events. So, the events occurred between 755 and 710 BC, which we talked about um, relatively recently, about 10 seconds ago, in the date of authorship. 
And the time period that we're describing here was kind of a roller coaster of a time period for Israel slash Judah. Um, when he began his ministry in 755, Israel was actually doing really well as a nation. Uh, they were super rich and they had had a lot of victories in battle. However, in 732 BC, Israel was kind of made into what I would call a puppet state within the Assyrian Empire. So Assyria basically owned them. <clears throat> and Israel just did whatever Assyria told them to do. Uh, so they were kind of, they were quote unquote an autonomous country still. But Assyria, you know what I mean? You remember yeah. uh, in the 2016 uh, debates, they were like, you're a puppet. No, yeah. you're a puppet. Oh, good times. We're already coming back up on the next election. Yeah, here we are. Parker. Um, So finally, in 722 BC, Israel was defeated and sent into exile. So his ministry started with Israel doing awesome and being rich and winning all these battles. And then his ministry ended with them being destroyed and sent into exile in Assyria. And Assyria, these dudes were brutal. That is like an interesting historical fact. Why? I'm sorry. I can't stop thinking about me saying debuted. Oh. Yeah, I don't even think you fixed it. I didn't yeah. fix it, but I'm fixing it now. Um, Why do you think that's an interesting fact? It's just interesting because it is. They actually created crucifixion, the Assyrians. They are the authors and perfectors of crucifixion. They also authored and perfected the art of tying people up by horses on all their limbs and then saying yeehaw on the horses and making them run four separate ways and ripping the people apart. That's intense. I thought the Romans were the perfectors of crucifixion. I suppose you're correct. I suppose the Assyrians were the authors and the Romans were the perfectors. But yeah, Assyria, all those, all the weird torture things that you see in like medieval movies and stuff, the Assyrians came up with all that stuff and the rest of the world just adopted it. So these were brutal dudes. Interesting facts, right? Finally, I wanted to mention about the date of the events is that you can read about this time period in 2 Kings chapters 14 through 20, and you could also read about it in 2 Chronicles chapters 26 through 32. Those portions of scripture are the ones that cover this time period where Hosea ministered. Next, it is time to talk about the purpose of the book. So I believe that the original purpose of Hosea was to warn the northern kingdom Israel of the coming judgment for their sins. And Hosea was actually considered the Jeremiah of the north. So most of the prophets, major and minor, were prophets to the south. There were only a couple to the north, Hosea being one of them. And so consequently, Hosea is called the Jeremiah of the north. Uh, his ministry was essentially the same as Jeremiah's, and he also watched his kingdom fall just like Jeremiah did. Uh, so they're very similar just to different different kingdoms, northern and southern. On top of that, though, I believe that a purpose God has for this book is to show us his steadfast love and patience for us, even though we constantly run away from him. And it's one of the most beautiful pictures, honestly, of the gospel in the whole Bible. Hmm. You know, you see the gospel all over the Old and New Testament, obviously. Um, lots of different types, lots of different pictures of the Bible, of the gospel. And I think Hosea is one of the most beautiful pictures in the whole Bible. How does he come into a lot of prosperity? What do you mean, Hosea? Like, you know, the gospel. The, oh. You get lots of wealth and stuff. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. 
But you have to you have Wait, to work at least up to 300 that. Years. You have to work your faith up to that. Oh, did yeah. did he speak it into existence? Yeah, it takes a lot of speaking. You can't just you can't Think just it. speak one time and be wealthy. Yeah. yeah. And you also need to buy a prayer rag from the Bible Dingers website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dot com backslash prayer rag. I like the prayer rag. Send us one million dollars and you we'll know, bless if, you. If Jesus was alive today, he'd be driving a Ferrari. For sure. Absolutely. Anyway, next up <laughs> is <laughs> Fun fact. I saw you getting ready with that fart noise. <laughs> well, I have to memorize this. I saw you hovering board, over the fart this, noise. This soundboard always confuses me. Yeah. We need to set it up in alphabetical order or something. Definitely not working the way it is. Anyway, the first fun fact is Hosea and Jonah are the only two writing prophets from the northern kingdom of Israel. Bruh. The next one is Hosea was a contemporary with Isaiah, Micah, and Amos. Are you doing? Wait, what was the first one again? Hosea and Jonah, the only two writing prophets from the Northern Kingdom. Writing prophets? Writing. Yeah, yeah the, the ones, ones that wrote the, the ones wrote. that wrote the books. Okay. okay. There was other prophets, but did they write? Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, why don't you tell us the third one? The third and not final fun fact of the book of Hosea is this is actually... My favorite book of the Bible. Nice. Has been for about 10 years. Really? At this point. Yeah, I've always loved this book. Even over John and I don't, I don't care about John. John doesn't care about you. I care about Hosea. Okay. And that's it. Hosea? I guess you're going to get into why. Well, I kind of said it in the last part, but I think it's just a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's mm-hmm. a good reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Ryan and I were kind of talking about this. We're going to hint on it a little later in the outline. But uh, the last fun fact is the name of Hosea's children are included in God's prophecies against Israel. We're going to get a little bit deeper into this when we get into the first chapter of Hosea. His children's names are Jezreel, which means God scatters, and Lo-Rahama, which is not pitied. That's a daughter's name. And Lo-Ami, which means not my people. You know, I had to do a whole paper on Lorahama. Lorahama? In Bible college, yeah. I did not know that. Did you know that? I, I did not know that. it was the sound a car makes. That's a bonus fun fact for you specifically, Mark. Lorahama. Oh. No? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no? Next is everybody's favorite part of the show, which is really not, but we're oh, coming into the outline now. That's uh, in chapter one. And the first series of messages of judgment and restoration. And that's as soon as you start reading the book of Hosea, that's what comes to you uh, obvious. Um, and then you're introduced to Hosea's family. That's in chapter 1, verses 2, I mean, verse 2, and then chapter 2, verse 1. And that's where God told him to marry a prostitute and have children. It was clearly a symbol to the nation continually turning away from God. And the prostitution thing is something that we see in the past books that we've discussed yeah. often. Yeah, so there's a couple of things I wanted to mention here before we keep moving on. The first thing is that, yeah, that was supposed to be a picture of Israel's relationship with God. Gomer, who was the woman that Hosea married, mm-hmm. was a prostitute 
and the book throughout the book it talks about how Hosea would have to chase her and pull her out of other men's homes mm. and find her out in the street in the middle of the night and that was supposed to be the picture of us how we chase after idols mm-hmm. and we're, we run around and we're not faithful to God but he still loves us and he still considers us his bride and still comes to find us and pulls us back to him. Absolutely. So that's that's the first thing I want to mention. The second thing is there's a little bit of controversy about this because um, it's against the Levitical laws for someone to marry a prostitute. And uh, the typical workaround, if you will, is that Gomer was not a prostitute when they got married. She became a prostitute after they got married. So... That's that's the idea there. Hmm. That she wasn't already a prostitute when they got married. But God told Hosea to marry a woman who would become a woman of whoredom, is what the Bible says, or a prostitute. What is that? Like how Israel defiled themselves after God yeah. made the covenant? Yeah, pretty much. So that's the idea there. So that's, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, we keep discussing this, how often Israel did this to God. Mm-hmm. Oh, how how many times do they have to do it? And he comes and saves a day, and Israel spits in God's face again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can it can absolutely easily be applied to us. Um, in context, Israel totally did this to God so many times. Yeah, um, uh, people try to read the Bible, you know, like stories like David and Goliath. Like, were David, like, we're the one who's supposed to overcome these big problems in our life? But yeah. really, it's more these stories that. We're we're like Israel. We're the unfaithful we're like people. Prostitutes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Seriously, we are way more like Israel than we are David. Yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. The next point that I want to make about chapter one is that we see signs of coming judgment, and this is where the names of the kids really come into play. Uh, as we mentioned before, for the fun fact, Jezreel, uh, it has, it it means to scatter, and we saw that the nations were scattered. So it's kind of a prophecy. And a daughter named Lorahama, which is no pity, or as the ESV puts it, no mercy. And obviously, according to the way God feels in this book, he's not going to have any mercy on the house of Jehu. And he will destroy the military power of Israel and the valley of Jezreel. So he, he, the way he was speaking out was as if he didn't have, he wasn't going to have any mercy on these people. I mean, as we continue reading, We'll see that he did, but we'll get there. And then the next point in chapter 1, verse 10, through chapter 2, is a promise of restoration. So, the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea. So, he was telling them that he was going to bless them, and that he was going to restore them after all of this judgment was poured out on them. Yeah, so that's the first two sections. I don't think we mentioned how many sections are in Hosea, but there are... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven sections of the book of Hosea. Uh, so Nick just went through the first two, and I'm going to go ahead and move into the third section, which is chapter 2, verse 2, into chapter 3, verse 5. And that starts with um, a couple oracles of judgment in chapter 2. And the first one is specifically in verses 2 through 7, and this is judgment on Gomer, who was a figure of Israel. So this is specifically speaking about Gomer, who, like we said, is Hosea's wife, um, who became a prostitute. 
And it says that Gomer will search for satisfaction from her lovers, but she won't be able to find any. And, and she will eventually remember that she can only find true satisfaction from her original lover and husband. So that's in verses 2 through 7, and that's supposed to be a type of Israel, how Israel has ignored God and ran, run away from God. I'm starting to really realize why this is your favorite. It's beautiful, because right? It's biblical typology all throughout the entire yeah. chapter. Yep. Oh, well, the entire book, rather. And that really goes into 8 through 13 because God is now moving it to Israel. And he says, I'm going to take away your blessings. And basically, he's going to take away all Israel's good food and drinks and the protection that he's been providing for Israel. And he's going to basically just let them chase after their idols. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. See how those idols treat you. And basically that they'll realize that they can only be truly satisfied in their relationship with God, not with these other foolish things, these idols and these sins. Yeah, the same can be said with us. We try to find love mm -hmm. in so many other things. Yeah. Anytime we run to a sin, I mean, it's it's obviously our, our deceitful heart that's telling us that, that will make us happy and it will bring us joy. When the truth is, that will only bring you pain and hurt, and only Jesus can bring you joy. Only Jesus can really make you a joyful person and make and give you happiness, honestly. True happiness, mm -hmm. not fleeting happiness that sin can give you. Absolutely. All right, and then the next part of, of the third section is the promises of restoration. And this is chapter 2, verse 14, into chapter 3, verse 5. And starting in chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, this is basically where he talks about a renewed love and a restored marriage. And what God is saying here is that he's going to be kind with Israel and that he's going to bless them again and that he will one day be betrothed to them again. And betrothed here, I believe, at the time was like an engagement. So I, I honestly don't have more thoughts on that, but... Uh, Basically, I think it's just saying that they will be in in a intimate relationship again, and then in verses twenty one through twenty three. Well, I mean, ma I mean, sorry to cut you off, but marriage has been a consistent metaphor all throughout the Old right. Testament, so it's not weird, you know. Yeah, maybe because betrothal came before marriage, and he's saying we will enter into an intimate relationship again, and that's just like the first step. Doesn't mean new covenant, does it? Um, like something new. It could. I mean, I suppose, depending on your interpretation, I kind of take this, I personally take this as God speaking to Israel, just because that's what Hosea was doing when he was giving these prophecies. But obviously, a lot of prophecies and a lot of things in the Old Testament do point to Jesus and the New Covenant. So I wouldn't discount it. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that that's not possible. But it's definitely just continuing the marriage language. Yeah, right. If anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the church is the bride and so on and so forth. Um, so after that, in verses 21 through 23, it talks about renewed fertility and restored favor. So these are still uh, kind of analogies here and types. And basically, he's just saying that there will be good food and drink and that he's going to come back to Israel and protect them again and so on and so forth. And then finally, the last part of the third section is the restoration of both Hosea and Yahweh's wives. And that's, that's in chapter 3. And basically, Hosea... You guys hear my turtle in the background? He's going wild today. 
Yeah, he's he's getting pretty litty he's over excited there. Excited to see me. He won't stop moving. To all the listeners, I don't know if we've mentioned this. I have a turtle, and he's in the same room as us. Yeah. When we record. Where are the turtles? Where are they? They're right here. He's he's right next to you. <laughs> Go ahead. Go on. And he's he's also right here. In your heart. Yeah. I'm nice. pointing to my chest. In your chest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of chess. Um, basically in chapter three, Hosea went, this gets into some historical narrative here and moves back to Hosea's life. And Hosea went and he bought his wife, which is some typology and also wild that he went and paid for his wife because she was a prostitute. Hmm. Um, and he told her, he said, I'm going to love you and you are going to be faithful to me. Um, and then in the same way, towards the end of chapter three, God is going to come lovingly after Israel who has run away from him. Um, so uh, then again, another, another type here where God has bought us, um, with his blood. So there you go. There's the new covenant and, and he is going to love us and we are prayerfully going to be faithful to him. So that's the third section of the, of the Hosea. (laughs) The Hosea. Um, the fourth section is a series of messages of judgment and restoration in chapter four and in chapter four through chapter six. And it starts with a couple judgment oracles in chapters four and five. And the first one is Yahweh's case against Israel. And that takes up all of chapter four. Hey, Ryan, remind me what an oracle is. It's basically, I should have done this, Mark. I'm sorry. I am such a fool. How could you? Um, an oracle is basically like a prophecy. It's or it's, it's like God speaking through a prophet. So, this is what God says via Hosea. Thus saith the Lord. Yes. Nope. Dash Hosea at the end. <laughs> um, so chapter four is God's case against Israel, which is which is basically the case is that Israel has fallen into deep sin. Israel was full of lying, murder, adultery, and idol worship. Men were buying prostitutes and offering cult sacrifices with them, which is basically uh, when men would buy a prostitute and have sex with her on an altar. That's crazy. Um, And women were going out and sleeping around, and all this was in the name of worshiping their new god, Baal, or Baal. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've heard, really? it, I've, yeah. heard Baal. I've heard Baal. Yeah. Baal. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you, <coughs> like you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you're well, saying Baal, but you. Baal. Baal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that was God's case against Israel. And that was all in chapter four. Following that in chapter five, it talks about the guilt of both Israel and Judah. So Judah makes a little cameo appearance here, the Southern kingdom. And basically, chapter 5 talks about how Judah had fallen into the same sinful nature. And this points back to what Nick was saying about how some critics say that this was added by somebody else because the whole book is basically about Israel. Mm -hmm. Then in chapter 5, Judah makes a cameo appearance. Everybody loves cameos. Everybody. You really like that word. Especially Hosea and God, who who co-wrote this book (laughs) together. Um. And then lastly, in the fourth section is the beginning of chapter six, 
which are some restoration promises. And that's where God, via Hosea, says that Israel will be judged, as well as Judah, but they will both be restored. And that is the end of the fourth section. Nice. And then we get into the fifth. And that starts around chapter 6, verse 4, into chapter 11, verse 11. And that's the fourth series of messages on judgment and restoration, which in short is Israel's ingratitude. If it's not obvious that they're ungrateful, it's definitely going to be obviously obvious now. Uh, but we see more messages on coming judgment in chapter 6 through 11. So Israel's ingratitude and rebellion we see in uh, early chapter 6 into chapter 8. They made kings, but not through God. They made idols with silver and gold. God is angry with them. So that leads us into the second point of chapter 6 through 11, and that's Israel's inevitable judgment that is that starts at uh, chapter 9 into 11. Their riches will be taken away. They can't flee from judgment. Thorn bushes will occupy their homes. So basically all the language that's described in this text is describing God's wrath pouring down on them. And then... Uh, I was going to say, I hate when thorn bushes occupy my home. Yeah. Well, you know? there's something to be said. They probably lived in tents. Yeah. So... That could be if even in, worse. <laughs> if they lived in tents, it's poking them all night. Yeah. But if they live in a house, yeah. it's probably not going to get through the sheetrock. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I, I have it in my house. You have the, the thorn in your side. Maybe because I'm a sinful man. You have the thorn in your eye or in your side? Yep. Because I think the Bible talks about both of those things. Yeah. The next point in chapter 11 is another assurance of restoration. So, you know, God just talked about all this stuff that he's going to do to them. And it seems here in chapter 11 that he's going to have mercy. And there seems to be a contradiction like, God, what are you doing? God's promising to do something and doesn't quite do it. Um, but it's, it's safe to say that he doesn't do it during this time. Although his punishment doesn't come to pass in this book, we know that God's judgment came to pass in history as a whole. So his judgment was also fulfilled in Jesus. So historically, Israel was restored after the exile, and also God's people are restored through Jesus as well. So that's something that you should get from chapter 11. Don't get confused because God's word is true. What he said did happen. It just didn't happen within the context of the book that you're reading. That was the fifth section of Hosea. The sixth section, I'm going to confuse you here, is the fifth series of messages on judgment and restoration. Be careful, your iPhone's about to go off. Oh, because I said series? But then all the series would think I'm talking to them since I put it in the plural. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and your phone goes off, it's because we said, Hey, Siri. What's the weather? But they're probably listening to this on their phone, so... That's true. Anyways. <laughs> I have mine turned off. <sighs> you would. Okay, so, yeah, the sixth section is from chapters 11 until 14. And this is really the last section. I kind of stretched it when I put seven sections here, but this takes us up to the end of the book minus a verse. Um. And it starts with judgment for Israel's unfaithfulness. And that's in the middle of chapter 11 all the way until the end of chapter 13. And it starts here with the deceitfulness of Israel. 
And that takes us to the middle of chapter 12. And basically, even though Israel acted as if they weren't full of sin, they were obviously indeed full of sin. And they tried to mask it and say they were innocent. Mm -hmm. And God says that you're trying to hide it behind your riches. So basically, they were riach. And because of that, they acted like they weren't sinful. Mm -hmm. But they clearly were, so they're a deceitful nation. And then in chapter 13, obviously following that, is Israel's impending doom, which... If you guys didn't know, Impending Doom is a great Christian metal band. I didn't know that. Yes. No. A great. They were probably my favorite Christian metal band when I was in the scene. I don't like Christian metal. But I only got to see them one time. They never came around to Houston. You still listen to them now? Actually, I listened to them about a week ago. Really? About a week ago. Is it because you were writing this outline? No, it's just because uh, you sent me that link to to a Sleeping oh, Giant yeah, song, yeah, yeah, yeah. which Sleeping Giant is another like old school Christian hardcore band, and I don't really like Sleeping Giant, so I had to cleanse my ears <laughs> with some metal that I do like. But I thought you said you don't like Christian metal. I don't. Someone on our Instagram, um, I saw them posting their favorite Christian metal band, and it was Sleeping whoever, Giant. Yeah, Sleeping Giant. So I sent it to Ryan. I'm like, do you know about this? Because I knew he was into that stuff at some point. But I didn't like it. You can't even understand what they're saying. What's the difference? Yes, you yeah, can. it's like mumble rap. If you, no, if you listen to it a lot, you can understand what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> sure. Anyways, Impending Doom. I, I got thrown out of one of their shows. Uh, so that's in Chapter 13. That sounds like a story. Yeah. Well, I was punching people and stuff. Oh, it's like a mosh. Yeah. Were you really? Yeah. Like a holy punch? Yeah, I got in a few fights at metal shows back is in the day. Is that really biblical, though? Like, is it God glorifying? Who cares about biblical at metal shows, dude? Dude, it's a Christian metal band. Isn't it like praise music? <laughs> it's not like praise music. I love you, Yeah, it's kind of like that, I suppose. So you're going to just punch somebody in the name of Christ? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, signs and Wonders. You remember Smith Wigglesworth? Yeah. You heard about that My, guy? The sign of me punching you in the face. And you and wondering you why. why? <laughs> 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 Anyways, uh, let's, let's try and finish this up. Um, chapter 13 talks about Israel's impending doom. And basically, God says here that he's going to destroy Israel. And God gets lit in this section. Uh, when he's describing his destruction of Israel, basically God says that he's going to rip Israel open as if he was a wild animal. And he likens himself to a leopard. He says he's like a leopard waiting in their backyard to freaking pounce on them. Hey, we need, we need to have some leopard sounds. <laughs> He also calls himself a lion, and he also says he's like a bear, and he says that I'm like a bear who's going to come and rip open your chest. Thank he is God. so hardcore in this <laughs> chapter. Uh, yeah, so that's basically God telling Israel that he's going to rip open their chest. Bear fruit. Oh, yeah. Shout out to my sticker. It says, bear fruit? It's it says not shouting me back. Bear fruit. Yeah, I have a sticker from ODG. ODGA. ODGA. <coughs> ODG Apparel. 
It's a picture of a bear holding a pineapple. And it says bear fruit. So what's up? Deal with that. Okay, lastly of chapter, not chapter, section six, we get the restoration of Israel in spite of their unfaithfulness. That starts with chapter 14, verses one through three. And that's basically Hosea giving them an appeal for repentance. And he he calls them to repent and return to the Lord and not to find their refuge in their alliance with Assyria, which was beginning to happen at this point, like we mentioned in the date of the events in 722 BC, which was towards the end of Hosea's ministry. Was this after the exile? No. Uh, sorry, 732 BC. The exile was 722 BC. So in 732 until 722, the northern kingdom Israel and Assyria were basically allies mm. is what maybe Israel called it. But what we call it, looking back historically, is Puppet. puppetry. Mm. I see now. Um, so, yeah, Hosea was telling them, don't don't take refuge in your alliance with Assyria. You need to find your refuge and your protection in God because Assyria is not looking out for your best entrance. 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 Interest. Entrance. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. They have a high premium on their entrance. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Cash back rewards. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Um, And then finally, uh, in this section, is a promise of restoration. Of course, this is how God always does it. Uh, In verses 4 through 8, God says that he's going to restore Israel and root them firmly in the ground. And he will once again be their protector and provider. So the seventh and final section is one verse, and that's chapter 14, verse 9. And basically, this is a short conclusion of the entire book by Hosea. And what he says here is that wise people will understand and they will repent for their sins. But foolish people will not understand, and that will ultimately be their demise. And looking back in history... What do we know? Israel chose the foolish route. Absolutely. And they were demised. Ooh. And their metaphoric chest was ripped open. Ooh. And probably their literal chest because, like I said, Assyria was lit. Sick. Well, that was our episode on the book of Hosea. We surely hope that you enjoyed it. But if you want to hear any other episodes that we've made, Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter across the board at Bible Dingers. And you can also find us now on Patreon. So make sure if you want to support our ministry, you subscribe to that as well. But while you're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, make sure you... Just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Hit follow, and most importantly, ding on.